0: Today I'd like to um talk about peace. <coughs> if you did happen to be at the Vogue two weeks ago, <laughs> you may have heard this before. Um, or if you're one of those people who likes watching meetings back on YouTube, you probably may have heard it as well. So nonetheless, hopefully most of you haven't heard it. And peace is something obviously if you ask most people what do they want, peace is going to be one of those things they're gonna talk about. They want peace in their own minds and their family and in their life. And we know through our own experiences through walking the Lord that we get amazing peace through the Lord. And I want to talk about that today. And, um, this talk actually came out of a series of talks that is happening at the Vogue, um, on the second meeting, um, on the fruits of the spirit. So love, joy, peace. This is the third one. Um, at the moment, probably as I'm speaking, long suffering has been spoken about at the Vogue. So, um, but I'm talking about peace today. Um I guess there's three main things I want to sort of cover off when I'm talking through this. And it's one of the things that I I really noticed as I started looking at this topic. And I have to admit, I've probably never really looked into peace as a topic for a talk before. I've just sort of thought about it at different times and experienced it, but never actually looked into it. And what I realized as I went through and did the research is peace is such a major part of the gospel. It really is. Hopefully I'll explain that and show that to you as we go through today. I want to talk about what peace is. When we're talking about peace in this context, what are we talking about? And how do we get that peace? Because sometimes we lose it. And how do we get it back? So one of the things that really struck me um, when I started looking at this, uh, I think our brother this uh, Graham spoke about looking up the words everlasting and eternal in the concordance today. Well, I looked up the word peace. I just thought, I'll have a look, what does it have to say? And it struck me that this sort of phrase here, grace be to you and peace from God, is used over and over and over again uh, in the epistles in particular, So, or, a, or at least a version of it. So in these epistles of Paul, in 11 of his epistles, he uses this. And what I realised, it was just a part of the way they spoke to each other and a part of the way they thought about the Gospel. It was about peace. And it wasn't just Apostle Paul who wrote it. When we look at Peter in First and Second Peter, he also uses the same, similar greeting. When we look at the the Apostle John, it's the same in, in his epistles and also in the book of Revelation. He uses this greeting over and over again. And finally, Jude also uses it. So I guess it was what really struck me is it was a part of the way that our brothers and sisters 2000 years ago spoke to each other and their understanding of the gospel and what it brings to us. And as I sort of started looking at it a bit more, I found a few other things that really struck me. So in Isaiah 9 verse 6 to 7, very well known passage here, it talks about Jesus being the prince of peace. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So Jesus is known as the Prince of Peace. And it was actually at the birth of Jesus, this was even proclaimed. So as Mary had given birth and she's laying Jesus in the manger, she's wrapped him up in the whatever, swaddling clothes, she's laid him in the manger, and the shepherds out there, many of us know the story, the shepherds are spoken to by an angel. And the angel said unto them in Luke 2, Jesus is the Prince of Peace and it was proclaimed again at his birth. Not only that is the gospel that we preach is often referred to as the gospel of peace. So in Romans 10 verse 15 it says, And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. And in Ephesians 6 where we talk about the whole armour of God, it talks about your feet being shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So the gospel is a, is a message of peace that comes from the Prince of Peace, which is Jesus Christ. And I've come to realize we probably don't talk about it that much, right? I don't talk about peace that much. Um, and we don't maybe not necessarily using those words, but I think we actually do tend to talk about it, maybe not using those exact words. I'm just going to read another scripture in John 14. One we're uh, very familiar with says, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So. What I realized is we don't necessarily talk about it this way, but how many testimonies have you heard? This may be your testimony. When you were baptized, when you were filled with the Holy Spirit, you had that burden come off your shoulders. You felt a weight lift off you. What was that? That was peace, wasn't it? That was peace. The gospel of peace is now descended and is upon you. We may not talk about it like that, but that's essentially what it is. It's the gospel of peace that we've received. This peace came at a price. And uh, fortunately we didn't have to pay this price. The price was paid by Jesus Christ with his life. In Isaiah 53, another prophecy of Jesus, it says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. talks about there the chastisement of our peace was upon him. So you think about that peace that I'm sure all or not all of many of us here have experienced when the Holy Spirit and we received the Holy Spirit and we're walking in the ways of the Lord. What we've experienced, it came at a cost. And what that cost was, was the life of Jesus Christ. He was chastised, he was wounded, he was punished so we could have peace. That's the price for peace that we have. We didn't have to pay it, but God, Jesus paid it for us. In another passage in Ephesians, and I'm going to read from uh, the New International Version, I think it just makes it a little bit clearer, it talks a little bit more about this. It's talking about Jesus. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. When he talks about the two groups there, It's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, for which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. So it's talking about here, the Jews and the Gentiles, he's talked to the gospel preacher, those far away. He's talked to the Ephesians. They were far away from Jerusalem. We're even further away here, aren't we? And he's talked to those who are near, to so the Jews. He said, the gospel of peace was for everyone. And the cost of the peace was for the life of Jesus Christ. And what that did, it made it available for everyone, not just the special people of God, the Jews or the Israelites, but available to everyone, available to us. I want to talk a little bit about what this peace is. A couple of uh, verses up here we know fairly well. In Romans 5 it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Just have a think about that for a second. What does that actually mean? It says we have peace with God. It means we're we are at peace with our Creator. We are at peace with God. There's no more war or enmity or hatred or anything between us. There's peace between us and God. And maybe before we came to the Lord we thought we were unworthy. Maybe we'd done things that we'd regretted. Um, Maybe we were ashamed of them. Maybe we even hated God. But it says despite that, now you're at peace with God. So whilst you might have thought you're unworthy, God now says, I chose you. While you may have done things that you regretted or ashamed of, God says, I forgive you. While you may have hated God, God says, I love you. This is the peace we have with God. It changes everything. It changes our lives. This second verse here in Philippians verse 4 it says, the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God which passes all understanding. It doesn't make sense. You've got this peace when it doesn't make sense for you to have this peace. Who's experienced that? I put my hand up. <laughs> yeah, we have, haven't we? You're going through things and you go, we shouldn't be having peace at the moment, but I've got peace. What's happening here? How does that happen? And I really like this word here. Uh, the word in here says, shall keep your hearts and minds. The word keep here. And if you look in the Strong's Concordance, it basically means it's figurative of um, protect with a garrison. That's what the word keep means. So who knows their medieval or Middle Ages history and knows what a keep is? A few people do, yeah. So uh, a keep was a type of fortified tower uh, built within castles during the Middle Ages by European nobility. It was used as a refuge of last resort should the rest of the castle fail. That's what a keep was. So i think about this is what this is for our heart. So here we are, we've got all these things going on around us, the battle's on, and we're in this strong tower around our heart and around our mind that's protecting us no matter what's happening around us. That's what this keep your heart and your mind is. We're protected. We can have peace because we know it can't touch us. We can have peace till we know the Lord is with us. That's what this peace is talking about. David, the psalmist, knew about this. For example, in Psalm 18, he says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom will I trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation, my high tower. So D- David knew this like we know this. Uh, I'm going to share a testimony, I'm going to share a couple more as we go through the talk as well um, just a few moments, or key moments in my life when I experienced this peace, this peace that passes understanding and I um, will try to keep myself together when I share some of them but this one uh, I was probably in my mid to late teens and it was actually when my brother died which is a tough thing to go through it's hard to lose a family member any but particularly when they're young. Um, but the peace that passes understanding was with me at that time, and I'm sure many of us here could also share that feeling. You've had it as well. But when you've got this stuff going on, it's horrible. You're grieving, you're in sorrow, you've got all this stuff happening, but all of a sudden you're feeling like you're wrapped up in cotton wool and, and the Lord's with you. That's a peace that passes understanding, and I experienced that particularly at that time, was just so noticeable to me that the Lord was with me. And as I said, it was a tough time, but there you go. The Lord, the peace peace that passes understanding. We've got an elephant now. The elephant in the room. So what about this? In Luke 12, Jesus speaks. He says, Suppose ye that I'm come to give peace on earth? I tell you, nay, but rather division. For from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided, three against two, and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son, and the son against the father, mother against the daughter, and the daughter against the mother, and the mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. This doesn't make sense, really, in context of what I've just been saying. If Jesus is the Prince of Peace, how can he be coming to say, He's not coming to bring peace, but he's coming to bring division. It seems to be contradictory, doesn't it? It doesn't seem to make sense. And I think what we need to understand is what peace Jesus is talking about. We just spoke about that, wasn't it? He's talking about having our peace with God and this peace where our heart and our mind is protected. And I don't believe Jesus is saying he wants this division. What he's saying is it's just going to happen. Division will happen as a result of the gospel. That's We could all probably all testify in our own lives that not everyone we talk to about the gospel accepts it and goes, yeah, I want to be, I want to be united with you in this. It does cause division, doesn't it? We, none of us want that division. In fact, I'm sure when you received the Holy Spirit and you told your friends and your family, you wanted them to have the same thing that you had. Probably all say amen to that, I'm sure. And some of them agreed and they, they, they received the Spirit, but probably others didn't. And there was that division there. And Jesus is just acknowledging that. And sometimes it does cause that division. I don't believe any of us would like that division cause. Often it comes, maybe our friends or our families, who may divide themselves from us at that point. But the amazing thing is, is, even when that happens, we get that peace. Even when that happens, we have the peace that passes understanding. Okay, so how do we get this peace? We've already spoken a little bit about it about receiving the Holy Spirit. It comes through the Holy Spirit. In Romans 8 we read, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. In Isaiah we read, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in thee. We get peace when we're walking with the Lord, don't we? We get peace when we're spiritually minded, when our focus is on the Lord. Again, I'll share another part of my testimony. Um, there's a scripture in James. It says a double-minded mind, double-minded man, sorry, <laughs> is unstable in all his ways. Okay. So a little bit of my testimony. I, I shared some of it earlier. You heard earlier that I was brought up in this fellowship, which is great. I, I've loved this fellowship all my life. Um, went along to Sunday school, Bible class, young people's, all the camps, everything you could think of. I loved every second of it. Received the Holy Spirit when I was six years old, which was an amazing blessing. Went through all of that, got really involved, played a lot of music in the band, items, all sorts of things. But it got to a point in my life, it was probably late teens, early 20s, when I became this double-minded man. When I questioned everything that I've been taught, and everything I'd read in the Word of God, and I decided I didn't like it. And I became this double-minded man. And it's right, a double-minded man is unstable because when you have questioned the foundation of your life, what you've been brought up with and you no longer agree with it, you've got nothing to stand on. And then your mind goes into turmoil. Now, I was still at the meetings, every single meeting. I was still playing in the band. I was at Young People's. I was at every camp. But I wasn't there. Physically, I was. Mentally, not. And my mind was in turmoil. I had no peace at that time. And that went on probably for about a year or so. And it did get to a point where I had to make a decision which way I was going to go. Was I going to follow the Lord? Or was I going to go with the world? What was I going to do? And I won't go into all the details, but I, I made a choice. It was actually a scripture. Um talks about when Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness sake I read that scripture and it really hit me at that moment I thought he had all this stuff that was going on he had promises that hadn't been delivered yet he'd been promised a son that hadn't happened yet but he still believed I had all these doubts, all these questions I had to choose to believe and what I'd some things had happened when I'd started questioning. I'd stopped praying. I'd stopped reading the word, all those kind of things. i was still at meetings, as I said, but I wasn't praying. I wasn't reading. And when I chose to believe, I thought, if I'm really going to believe, I've got to, I've got to give it a red hot go. <laughs> I've, I've got to read again. I've got to pray. I've got to do those things again. And do you know what happened? The peace came back. It changed. My life changed. I had that turmoil, but all of a sudden I had peace and then I had a purpose and I had a direction. And I've had the most blessed life with ups and downs, but the most blessed life since those times, since choosing that. Being spiritually minded and walking in the Lord brings the peace. So, this talk came out of um, Galatians 5 Fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. So, That passage there, sort of just before, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It talks about this battle of the mind, the flesh and the Spirit. It talks about that, that we all go through. Every day we've got to sort of make a decision, are we going to walk in the Spirit or are we going to walk in the flesh? And if we walk in the flesh, we're going to have this double-mindedness going on and we might lose our peace. So... But when it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, one thing I've come to realise over the last little while, with the fruit of the Spirit... you don't try to work on faith, or you don't try to work on love or or peace. They're the fruit of the tree. You work on the tree, and then you get good fruit. And what is the tree? It's the spirit. It's our walk in the Lord, isn't it? They're the fruit that come when we're walking in the Lord. We don't have to work on them. By walking in the Lord, the fruit will grow in our life. And we will get peace. We will get love and joy, long suffering, etc. But what is walking in the spirit? Many of us know that. But just just a couple of things I'll just say about that before I move on. Now I, I call them the four pillars, and I'm sure many of us here would agree. Walking in the spirit, pray, and it's not this isn't rocket science. Pray, read the Word, fellowship, and preach the gospel. To me, they're the four pillars. You've got to be doing all four. And that's not going to guarantee your salvation. By telling what if you're not doing those things, it's going to be really hard. But doing those things will help us walk in the Spirit and get the peace that we're looking for. In Philippians 4, it tells us, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Sometimes we lose our peace, don't we? I've lost my peace before. I'm sure many of you might have had a similar thing. But what does the Bible tell us to do here? Ask. Prayer and supplication for thanksgiving. If you want peace, just ask God for it. Just pray to the Lord for it. I'll give you a, a another testimony of, of a particular moment that I can remember when this happened. So it was, Coming up to seven years ago, we moved back to Adelaide We'd We, Michelle and I had moved to Wollongong, spent 11 years living in Wollongong, which we absolutely loved. Great fellowship, great experience, great time there. Um, but the time came to move back to Adelaide, and we did. So I'd got a job back in Adelaide, and I had to move over, I'd come back for three weeks or so to work here while Michelle and the kids were back in Wollongong, um, packing up the house, got out of that pretty lightly. And... um it was great, then I had some fellowship with um some saints had dinner at their house, and then after dinner, you know, we came to the Tuesday night meeting at The Vogue. Everything was going well, but we finished dinner, I walked out the door to go to the car, and the next thing you know, my heart sank, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, What am I doing? Why are we moving from Wollongong? Why are we giving up everything? great house, great jobs, great schools, all that kind of stuff?" Moving to a bit of an un, well, not an unknown, I know Adelaide, but you know what I mean? And I had the, all of a sudden I'm in turmoil again. I've completely lost my peace. My mind is racing and racing. And I got to the meeting. I don't remember much of it because my mind, I could not stop thinking about this. My, my heart had sunk. It's like it, my stomach was lead. It was really bad. And, um, we got to the prayer, prayer time and I thought, I've got to have prayer about this because this is not good. And, um, so I went to the prayer line. And it was actually Pastor Jock who had prayer for me at that particular point in time. And I I couldn't really get the words out. I think he realised I couldn't. Pastor Jock said his prayer. And as that prayer happened, I felt this warmth come down my head all the way through my body. And then I burst into tears. (laughs) A bit embarrassing. And I was a blubbering mess. But I had this peace from God that passes understanding. My mind had, like, instant before was in turmoil. and next instant so I'm like, the Lord's got this. This is the right thing. And I was really happy the prayer time went for a bit longer because it took me a while to get myself under control. But to me, that was a time when I had to ask the Lord. I, I needed that peace. And we know sometimes we'll get it straight away. Sometimes it doesn't come straight away. Sometimes we need to just keep asking and asking. And you will get that peace. So I guess just to sum up, Peace is an integral part of the gospel. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and his gospel is the gospel of peace. It's through the death of Jesus that we have access to peace through the Holy Spirit. This means we now have peace with God, our Creator. This peace guards our hearts and our minds. It means we can have it no matter what's going on around us. To have this peace, we need to be spiritually minded. We need to be walking in the Spirit, our mind focused on the Lord. And at times, even though you, you are walking in the Spirit, you kind of lose your peace for a little bit. Maybe something will happen, something will rock you. When that happens, just ask the Lord for it back.